Hello, my name is Jamie Adams. And I'm Ian McAllister, and we don't have a guest this week. I think there's somebody at the door. Hey, Mark. Hi, hi Big Brain. How are you? <laughs> Not too bad. It's Mark McKinnon from Dream Big Games. Come in, Mark. Come in, come in. Um, oh, nice and cozy. Did, did, you ha- did you have to bring all of those guys with you? I have my entourage. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, um, ample parking outside. Don't worry about it. Uh, there's a gar- There's a garden. Don't worry. I shunted some other cars out the way. Yeah, I don't think we have parking for a giant sort of war elephant or whatever the hell that thing is, really. It'll make its own parking space. Yeah, but we've lost enough interns, really, this year already. Nah, he's both tiny and he's very friendly. See, exact, exactly. He's friendly. That's that's all we need to worry about, Ian. Don't go near him when he's eating that, so... Well, fair enough. We'll, we'll get the interns to, to look after them. Come on in. Come on in, interns. On you come. Right, while Ian, while Ian herds the interns and Tiny around, welcome to Brainwaves, bringing you the best in tabletop... Uh, nope. Huh. Well, let's let's uh, let's stay with Mark a couple of minutes and let oh, him sorry, yeah, sorry. Here he is. Uh, but yeah, go go for that again. I'll I'll go off and do interny things. Cool. <laughs> so, so while Ian herds interns and Tiny around, welcome Mark to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, pleasure. Absolutely lovely to have you. Um, would you like to talk a little bit about yourself? You know, why are you here? My name is Mark, and I am the designer of Wreck and Ruin. I'm the face of Dream Big Games, and I'm all about making board games which are thematic, nice, fun battles. I'd like to say that they're friendly, but they tend not to be. Friendships have been lost, but it's uh, it's the price that you pay sometimes. It is. It's no, no one said, you know, board gaming was always friendly. It got, gets a little bit bloody sometimes. I just got to get on with it no, sometimes. Yep, you'll lose some friends along the way, but... Yep, you always make more. Find more victims. Always victims. Speaking of speaking of victims, Ian, Don't how's it going? There. <sighs> well, how many interns do we need? How many have you got? I've got at least two left. That's enough. Do the intro, Ian. Hi, this is Brainways, bringing you the best in tabletop gaming news. And these are the headlines for the week of 22nd of July, 2019. Plagiarism accusations hit popular board game sites. The robots are coming, and they're really, really good at poker. And the Diana Jones Awards have been announced. All this and more on this episode of Brainwaves. Last time on Brainwaves, we covered ethics in game journalism to to a degree with Owen Duffy, who's a games journalist in his own right and has written for places like The Guardian and Ars Technica. And whilst that broadcast was going over the airwaves to your ears... Accusations of plagiarism hit popular blogger Katie Adley. Their site was Katie's Game Corner. It's primarily a war game advocacy site, and they are also a big member of the uh, a big advocate for the LGBTQ community. A new version of Kalos was coming out, and some eagle-eyed people on the net noticed that Katie's review of Kalos from 2017 bared a startling resemblance to a review from 2008 on BGG. This prompted a few people to look into Katie's other work, 
And Michael Heron from Meeples Like Us has done this himself. Michael has a bit of a background in plagiarism and ethical concerns in academia. And I've talked to Michael a little bit in the background. And he said to me that there are several compelling examples of direct plagiarism of other content creators, many more examples of a lack of attribution of publisher descriptions, manual text, and Kickstarter promotional material. While latter in isolation could perhaps be considered a kind of fair use, direct plagiarism though starts off with straight copy and paste and gradually becomes more intentional wording changes that would make it harder for anyone to find the original source. This broke on Reddit over the weekend of the 5th and 6th of June, and we'll put a link to that Reddit thread in the show notes. It's relatively civil for a Reddit thread, thankfully. Katie has taken down all social media presence. This has made reaching out to Katie quite difficult, um, and we would like to offer a right of reply to them on the show. Uh, If you would like to email the show with any further comments, please do so. Punchboard Media, who have been involved with KT from their early days in the games media, put out a statement, uh, and I'd like to read that verbatim from Punchboard Media's site right now. Katie Adley and their blog Katie's Game Corner has been with Punchboard Media since its inception. Finding out Katie had plagiarized many of their articles and that some of those articles had been posted to the Punchboard Media site came as a shock to all of us. After these allegations surfaced, Katie reached out to Punchboard Media, admitted them to be true and apologized. Punchboard Media decided after discussing the matter with Katie that it'd be best if they step away from the network. As such, Katie's Game Corner will no longer be a member of Punchboard Media going forward. No matter what decision the Punchboard Media board had reached, we knew there would be people unhappy with it. We hope to make clear that the sole reason for this decision is due to the plagiarism, the uncredited copying of others' work, profiting off of that work through their Patreon, and the harm it caused others in the hobby, and in no way reflects any wavering of Punchboard Media's mission statement of advocating for openness, fairness, and inclusion in the community. In fact, the fairness clause in the mission statement is what necessitates it. This was a difficult post to write, and one we never envisioned we need to be written when we started Punchboard Media. As evidence of that, while our code of conduct is very clear on harassment and hate speech, it does not address plagiarism at all. That will, of course, be amended shortly. Finally, we implore you not to use the discovery of this plagiarism to attack Katie further. Katie put out a statement on their own Facebook page as well, which I'd like to read just now. Hi, I just want to come on and post an apology. I've made some poor judgment and some bad choices and I completely understand that I was in the wrong. I didn't realize the consequences of my actions or think about other people's feelings and this is something I'm deeply sorry for. I've learned a valuable lesson. I'm working to fix things and apologize to anybody I have affected. Now, personally, it makes me a little angry to see someone plagiarize and use that plagiarism to gain a lot of traction in the community and and money and work in the community as well. But I don't really want to talk about that just now. There's a lot of discussion out there about that kind of thing. And I don't think we gain anything really by punching down or, or as Punchboard Media said, going after Katie in any way or form. That, the damage is done in that. And we'll see what exact, what comes out of that. What I would like to chat about is like, how do you guys think the sort of games journalism moves on from here? Do we need, do we need like a code of ethics like Michael Heron from Meeples Like Us is putting out or... Um, what what do you think, guys? I think with it, there's quite a with reviews, there's quite a low barrier for entry, and the problem is that anyone can just walk up and say, "Hey, I'm a reviewer." Like I I get solicitations all the time for games, and it's you know send me a game and I'll review it. And, you know I'm just starting this. Yeah. Uh, but you know I don't know what I'm doing, but hey, take me on board, kind of thing, and. It's not to say that that's everybody's got to start somewhere. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll always be very grateful to people like yourselves and Inspired Games and and Monthly Elephant, etc. That have sort of helped me out in the early days as well. But definitely, there has to be some kind of position of 
you're in a position of trust. You're whether you realise it or not that your your word is especially as they get bigger, it does hold some kind of weight. And so you need to be careful about what you do. And yeah, I just think that we need to I don't know how we get into the situation where we police it, but definitely there has to be some kind of due diligence on these kind of things. I think you'll find that, especially from a design point of view. I think you'll find publishers will definitely be a lot more wary of what, who they approach and how they approach them. That's an interesting thought, yeah. Without a central sort of journalistic body or like sort of credentials to say I'm a fully-fledged games journalist and have been to games journalism school or whatever, I think it is very hard to regulate properly like that. But, I mean, in a way... The community has self-regulated here. An uh, uh, incident has been spotted. It's been brought to the attention of everyone. The person in question has apologized and basically stopped being a journalist, for now at least. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we should take that as, as a good sign that the community is, in a way, self-regulating. Maybe that's enough. I don't know. What do you think, Jamie? It's it's a tricky thing, as you said. We're not. There's no point going after them. It's being aware that the damage's been done, and it means the community's probably going to have to be a bit more vigilant. Or hopefully, the community will have learned from this and may be slightly more vigilant in uh, in future. So there's a recent article about robot AI beating top poker players. So they created an AI system that played over twelve days, ten thousand hands against twelve professionals. It's called Pluribus. And so they tried this against, first of all, they had it as one AI versus five humans, and then five AI versus one human. But all the AI, they were all individual. They weren't cooperating with each other. Basically, Chris Ferguson, he's a six-time World Series poker champion. Uh, he said Pluribus is a very hard opponent to play against. It's really hard to pin him down on any kind of hand. Yeah, he was one of the 12 pros drafted against it. And uh, yeah, that was his press statement. And um, represents a, a new level for AI. Uh, all the games that they've tested up to now, it's all been open information games. So Go, StarCraft, Chess, Dota, everything, all the information's in front of them. So they know what they have to do. Whereas poker, it's, it's hidden information. Now, the AI itself, it didn't use any kind of facial recognition. So there was no way to to read a poker face, there's no ticks. Uh, it's basically just the actual program itself. Now, the researchers are not really saying whether poker has been beaten by the machine, but what they are saying is that in the 12 days, it has the machine's played, it's always been on top, and the pros can't find a hole in its strategy. I mean, the real question about this is how much money did Pluribus make, and does the money belong to the AI now? No, because the AI theoretically still doesn't constitute as a as a sentient being. Therefore, cannot How own. How dare property. you? <laughs> I'm 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 spitballing. You just AI-ist. on the current. I I am just. How dare you? I am just on the current interpretation of the law regarding machines. If it changes in the future, oh, I for one welcome our new poker playing AI overlords. You do realize this podcast will basically exist forever, and they'll, they'll know, Jamie, when they come and take over. They'll know what you said about them. They could be listening. Uh, yeah. Oh, hello, absolutely. if you're listening. On average, it had it was a uh, one on average five dollars per hand, and uh, it was taking in roughly about a thousand dollars 
an error, I think it was. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, I read through the article. It's, it's a fascinating read. And we'll, of course, share it in the show notes. One of the things they said they did was rather than it, it was a new sort of step in AI, rather than it sort of trying to plan many, many moves ahead, like a Go computer or something would, it was, tr- oh, sorry, or like a chess computer would, it was making very short-term decisions, like only maybe two or three moves ahead. So it was constantly changing the strategy, constantly making things up, constantly sort of innovating how to how to play poker. And they also managed to teach it how to play poker by itself, uh, by basically just making it play poker and over and over again. I think in about seven or eight hours, and then it just went and played poker extremely well. Yeah, but yeah, it's a fascinating read. And yeah, they're coming for us. And soon they're going to be playing Scythe and Root and beating us all. Funnily enough, it's still award season in the gaming world. And we've had a new set of nominations announced, this time for the much-coveted Diana Jones Award. Now that sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? Well, it is. Described by some as the Nobel Prize in gaming, the Diana Jones Award itself is a perspex pyramid containing a fragment of the critically panned TSR version of the Indiana Jones role-playing game, of which all known copies, physical copies at least, were destroyed apart from this fragment, which was encased in Perspex. Now, this is given out to excellence in gaming. And, as I said, the nominees have been announced. And the winner will be announced the night before Gen Con opens in Indianapolis on the 31st of July. Now, you're saying that's all very well. Jamie, shut up and tell me what the nominations are. Well, the nominations are Dungeons & Dragons Art & Arcana. Holding on, the troubled life of Billy Kerr, the mind, and Starcrossed. Now, this is a mixture of board games and role-playing games, and in the case of Dungeons and Dragons: Art and Arcana, an art book. So it's very eclectic when it comes to the nominations. The judges themselves, the committee that decides on them, is. Quoting from the website here, a mostly anonymous group of games industry alumni and Illuminati that includes active designers, publishers, creatives and consultants, and some people who are just content to rest on their laurels. I mean, it's a good diverse range of games in there. It's really cool. It's a very diverse range. Um, I'm sad to say I've not played any of the three games, apart from the opening scenario of Holding on the Troubled Life of Billy Kerr, which was by Hub Games. The Mind is published by Pandasaurus, and Starcrossed is a role-playing game by Alex Roberts, published by Bully Pulpit Games. I believe it is two-player, romance-based, but slightly fantastical. Two-player role-play, uh, role-playing game where you're playing through a relationship, and the core mechanic is a Jenga tower. I like the idea of this. So this is Fog of Love Dexterity? Yeah. Kind of. Well, it's a, yeah. You're sort of like like there's been role playing games, that, other role playing games that have used a Jenga tower, like Dread, which is a horror role playing game that uses a Jenga tower. And basically, the idea is like as you do things, you take certain number of blocks from the. I'm trying to remember this correctly. It's a long time since I played it. Basically, you take blocks to do stuff. It's like you might try and like pick open a lock on this door, and that okay, you have to remove two blocks to do that. And when the tower eventually collapses, someone dies in a horrible way because it's a horror. And then you reconstruct the tower and keep going through. Story. This isn't Starcross. This is this is Ian describing Dredge, just for, for yeah. listeners, if, if you're not keeping up. There's... Yeah, and Star. I don't know exactly how Starcross uses the Jenga Tower, but I'd imagine something vaguely similar. But uh, yeah, 
kind of cool the Dungeons and Dragons art in Arcana isn't a game in of itself it's sort of like a history of the art of Dungeons and Dragons really cool looking books I am I don't own them myself but very nice looking things and yeah like Jamie I've, I've played I've played the mind it is a game I've played the mind as well yeah it's definitely a game and holding on <laughs> the trouble life of Billy Care I've only played the first scenario but yeah really interested to play that more at some point I hope and now Brainwaves would like to bring you the financial news Remind me how I ended up with this again? I told you to do it. That's fair enough. There was a report recently published online uh, on the website ICO Partners, or ICO Partners, which of course, as always, we will link to in the show notes, that was describing the health of Kickstarter tabletop projects over the past half year of 2019, the forecast, and measuring it up against previous half years, as I'm going to call them half years, all the way back to the founding of Kickstarter. And makes them some very interesting reading, as it always does. I know you always love our financial news. So, over the past six months, tabletop projects have raised $80.5 million in the first half of 2019, versus $79.9 million during the same six-month period in 2018. However, there has been a drop in the last six months, from 85.4 million during the second half of 2018. There's also been a drop in launch projects from 2016 in the second half of 2018 to 1,926 over the the past six months. Uh, Despite that, the proportion of tabletop games being successfully funded has risen uh, to 69%. 1,321 projects raised their funding target compared to uh, 605 that unfortunately did not. The previous data we have is 1,272 projects successfully funded and 744 unsuccessful during the second half of 2018. That is a lot of board games and the report does make the claim and the kind of the headline is the equivalent of, on average, seven tabletop games are funded every single day. That is kind of insane to think about. Considering the sort of, like, launches, like, Essen's just around the corner and there'll be something like a thousand new games launched at that alone. And Gen Con as well will have, I don't know how many new releases, lots. If you are interested in finding out more on this article, I'd hardly recommend reading it because it also breaks down the the funding goals that each project is looking for, you know, the percent, you know, what percentage is looking for, say, under 10,000, between 10,000 and 15, and, and, and so on and so forth. And it does really give you a, ve- a very interesting uh, breakdown of kind of where board games are kind of sitting right now, is you know, what are the successful ones, what are the successful ones, how much people are looking for, and how much does that contribute to how successful they are. I wonder if those numbers will change with Kickstarter's new rules and guidelines. What, what's your thoughts on those new rules and guidelines they brought in, Mark, having done a Kickstarter recently? I think that for smaller independent companies like myself, it gives us a chance to really to compete with with the, the big... If, if Kickstarter's a pond, then I'm a goldfish, and Cool Mini is a shark that's a, a 10-foot shark in a 6-foot pond. Yeah, and and I can't compete with the the, you know, I'm one man. I do everything myself, yeah. and I can't, I can't generate a project every six months. You know, and I, I need to finish one before I can get the next one out. So it gives me yeah. the chance to kind of 
it slows them down and you could i suppose argue that that is bad for the industry but kickstarter at its roots is for small people and i'd like it see to see it get back to that a little bit more yeah if they do what they say that would be nice yeah so an update from jamie's mention a couple of weeks ago about the lewis chessman piece which has been sold and sold for the small sum of £735,000. It started at 480000 and it quickly rolled to the low estimate figure of 600000 but went no further. Now, they were expecting it to hit around about the £1 million mark, uh, but with the commission, the amount paid by an anonymous buyer was £735,000. So, yeah... I wish I had a chessboard that was worth that, just sitting in the cupboard. Just a, just one chess piece in this. Just a single chess piece. Hiding a draw bot for like a five or something like that. And just a little thing. Uh, there are still a few more pieces still out there, possibly. They may be at the bottom of the sea, or they might be hiding in drawers. I'm not saying go and auction every single thing that you find in your drawers, but... Yeah, I don't think, I don't think anyone wants my socks. I'm going to start trolling all the charity shops and checking them all, just in the <laughs> off chance. Absolutely. Well, guys, let's console ourselves with not having half a million dollar chess pieces in our socks by visiting the new and rebuilt RPG Corner. I am so glad this place is working again. It's so good to see it. Well, but before the interns got, well, crushed, mostly, uh, I had them rebuilding this for a bit, uh, but they're mostly flat now outside because they're... T- it, Tiny really eats quite a lot, Mark. Did you really have to bring him? I mean, he's he's eaten most of the garden so far. He's carbon neutral. I was trying to do my bit for the environment. I mean, he is carbon neutral, but he does leave some waste product behind. I'll put it that way. He has a low carbon footprint, but he does have a large footprint. It's all right, Ian. We'll we'll use we'll use the the waste on the brainwaves garden. They'll cut the roses. Will come up a treat. They've definitely done a, a good job around here. Anyway, it's it's looking very plush. I'm enjoying. It's very nice, isn't it? Enjoying this big roaring fire that we have on the go here. Yeah, it's good. We, we rebuilt it after the after the incident, and yeah, everything seems fine now. Just ignore the noises from the basement. It's, it's fine. Everything's totally fine. Anyway, whilst we're in RPG Corner, let's talk about some RPGs. There's a UK indie RPG studio that has run into some Kickstarter-related trouble, unfortunately. Stygian Fox, who had Innsmouth 86 supplement up for Cthulhu 7th edition, had funded, but they've now been suspended. And they've been suspended because Kickstarter had been eyeing their undelivered other campaigns. Now, most of their, uh, a lot of their campaigns the core product has gone out but some of the stuff from higher tiers has not been delivered and a couple of, some of those things are over two years old so there's quite there's been quite a bit of wait for those products however most of their backers seem pretty happy with the stuff they have received and there's a bit of a campaign amongst their fans to actually get the suspension 
the suspension suspended, I suppose. Get to get the campaign back on track and, and get um, Innsmouth 86 out into the world. There is a statement from um, Stephanie McLeal uh, who says, as of this moment, SFX's future is up in the air. I've made promises to people for Innsmouth and other work and we'll need to pay them first. Uh, I'm sorry I couldn't make Innsmouth 86 happen for you. I now have to consider how I'm going to pay off contracts, pay for the art and video using the trailer and the campaign. There is a statement from Stiggy and Fox that they linked to me after we each have a comment. We'll put that in the show notes. They basically seem to be back on uh, trying to get things back on track, trying to get Kickstarter to make the campaign go live again. And as you say, the backers all seem to be pretty happy. I've had a look at the comments on the campaign and there's no people out with pitchforks or anything like that so we wish them all the best for the future and hopefully they'll be back on kickstarter soon well funnily enough speaking of kickstarter have you gentlemen ever heard of dungeons and dragons can't say i have no exactly it's it's this new thing that's apparently very big i hear that i hear the kids are all into it Every, not just the kids everyone not a lot of people are into it and so much so that there is an attempt to create a fantasy orientated travel show now Satine Phoenix, who is, you know, I would say a Dungeons and Dragons rock star. That seems fair. And, yep, and Stefan Pacorni, the founder and CEO of Dwarven Forge, makers of very heavy and very beautiful resin terrain, have launched this Kickstarter for this thing called Destination Fantastic. And their plan is to do a travel show where they go around the world to the home of many many of the myths and legends that have become ingrained into tabletop roleplay gaming and specifically the granddaddy of them all, Dungeons and Dragons. Now their first adventure will take them to Iceland, home of uh, Snorri Sturluson and the prose and poetic Eddas from which we get a good deal, but not all, of the Norse mythology. For example, Thor, his mighty hammer Mjolnir, his battles against the ice giants, cunning Loki, one-eyed Odin who sits on the top of Glassheim and looks over the nine worlds. Anyway, sorry, I'm... Stop pitching for your audiobook. (laughs) Uh, And their second episode is going to take them, if they reach the funding goal, take them to New Zealand, then Peru uh, and the UK, episodes three and four, and onwards. Cool. But of course, that's if they get their funding goal and they are asking for the very well right now they're asking for a hundred thousand dollars and at the time of recording they have 23 days to go if it sounds like your kind of thing why not drop them a couple of a uh, couple of quid satine phoenix of course is not only i would say a dnd rock star but she is also uh, the dungeons and dragons community manager at wizards of the coast so pretty heavily involved seems kind of cool an interesting way to reach out to a new audience for D D. I mean, initially I thought it was maybe a little self-indulgent, but actually, come to think about it, it might be a good way to get some new people on board the hobby. Where did you just go to Gary Gygax's house? <laughs> That's did... a little bit too obvious. Yeah. And then, but then you'd have to then you'd have to go to a Hong Kong street market and find a packet of plastic toys, and then explain the whole story about that. If you would like to hear the story about that, buy my new audiobook. Or you could, if I haven't already not made it. Anyway. It sounds very interesting, and not only for the the gaming side. I think delving a bit more into the myths and legends when it is not just through the prism of roleplay gaming. Talking about, for example, the Norse, Norse mythology, or talking about Maori uh, culture in New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, not just Maori, but Maori and Polynesian, and how that has has bled into to roleplay gaming. 
yeah, a bit of, a good bit, a bit of diversity into the hobby. Always good. Well, look, if you're going to do your audiobooks, Jamie, I, I'm going to give up the podcast and I'm going to become a professional dungeon master, I've decided. Because according to a recent report in Bloomberg by Mary Pylon, you can get now uh, about $300 for a four-hour campaign. Uh, if you're a professional dungeon master, $500 to come to the office and run a D&D team-building exercise. Fascinating, fascinating stuff, this article. Like, There's a few people basically doing this as a side gig now where they are putting out their services as I run D&D, I will come to your house and run D&D for you. Give me some money to do that. And I can kind of understand this. It is hard as adults with responsibilities to get a game organized. So if there are people willing to just do that for you as a job and you want to play some D&D, I totally get it. It sounds really cool. Apparently, Watsi, uh, Wizards of the Coast, sorry, are aware of this. Nathan Stewart, who's the vice president of D&D at Watsi, said, it's a new trend and we are aware of it. And the idea that people are making a living being a professional dungeon master is cool and mind-blowing. D&D is doing extremely well, as we all know. Sales have continued to rise year on year since the new edition came out in 2015. Estimated 40 million plays annually from Wizards of the Coast. Uh, 9 million watched the game being played on Twitch last year, which still blows my mind that people want to watch other people play d and I just, I just, I haven't, I haven't done it myself, but sure. Our, our friends over at Polyhedron Collider have a, have a stream of D&D. It's apparently pretty popular. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it just blows my mind that that's a thing. And yeah, it's definitely worth giving that a read because it's a fascinating new trend in Dungeons and Dragons. Well, look, guys, it's been a comfy little time in RPG Corner, but I really think we should uh, get back to the main studio and wrap this thing up. So, yeah, put down your glasses and leave the smoking jacket, Mark. Oh, no, can yeah. I take this one home? No, come on. Ian, Ian, we'll give him this one. It's fine. <laughs> All right, as long as, he ta- as long as he takes Tiny with him. You will now find the Brainwaves podcast and some articles from myself on There Will Be Games alongside great writers like Matt Thrower, who I really suggest you check out. He writes some great stuff. Uh, and Michael Barnes as well. Uh, there's all, a bunch of other great writers on there, a bunch of different opinions on that site. There's sometimes, I, I've done a recent review of Tiny Towns, that's up there. And there's a, viewer, uh, there's a review from another reviewer who didn't like it as much. So there's a good sort of differing opinions on, on the same game you'll find there. Uh, go and check that out give them some support and yeah we've seen a good bump in traffic since going on there so it's a good next step for the giant brain and yeah we'll hope to make a lot of that and next month myself jamie and maybe sam sam may return from another dimension and join us at tabletop skull and it's entirely possible but he's he's a busy man in his other dimension so we'll have to see uh but yeah we'll be at tabletop scotland jamie is betraying me aren't you jamie i am not betraying you I will fly the flag for the giant brain and brainwaves high. However, I have also been contacted by our comrades. Traitorous scum. Our comrades in Scottish po- po- uh, Scottish based board game podcasting, The Unlucky Frog. And I'll also be doing a little bit of audio work uh, for them. But I, I'll be flying both colours at the weekend. It'll be fine. Don't hate me, Ian. Be the unlucky breed. I'll be the giant frog. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I will be at the playtest zone on the Saturday and Sunday. I will be free to do as I will. So I will be hanging around the open play areas and playing some games. Do come and say hello and uh, yeah, drag me into interesting games if you see me. That would be fantastic. We're really looking forward to it. Same for me. I'll be running games all weekend and also on a Saturday I'm taking part in one of the panels for 
Kickstarter 101. So they've oh, been right. asking for questions for the last couple of weeks for anyone who has any queries about any anything that to do with Kickstarter related. And um, so I believe I'm there to either be the pretty face or I'm the one to deal with questions about what happens when it goes <laughs> bottoms up. <laughs> well, you, you could be both. <laughs> I could you, be. You, I'm, I'm sure you were on there for both reasons. you got a very pretty face, and it's good to have a lot of experience in these matters. Yeah, and you should definitely... face for radio. Yeah, you should definitely... <laughs> yeah, well, that's why we have a podcast and not a, a video show. Yeah, but uh, speaking of your game, you should really check out Reconoon. It is fantastic. And where can people find your game on the internet, Mark? Where can they find you and your blog and that sort of thing? So www.reconoongame.co.uk uh that's me that's where you find out uh it's where you buy the game but yeah that's where i've started blogging on there as well this is a new territory to me but just yeah just kind of wanted to start imparting some of the wisdom after uh the unfortunate passing of james Murphy. so yeah yeah just kind of wanted to to share some of the stuff that I, people already ask me the questions but i don't store it anywhere so great decided now's the time to start writing yeah well yeah, everyone has to start somewhere. But yeah, no, it's great that you're doing that and like sort of stepping into that that void sort of left by James, and uh, hopefully some others will do the same as well, pass on their wisdom as well. I'll, I'll be che- I'll be checking it. I'll co- I'll come along to that cast. It sounds pretty good. I think Richard from We're Not Wizards is the host of that one. It's Richard, myself, Sarah from One Free Elephant, mm-hmm. and I believe there is a fourth person. Can't remember her name offhand. <laughs> All the, all the details for that can be found up on Tabletop Scotland's website within their What's On bit. There's a bunch of seminars and all sorts of things going on, so do check that out as well. And, d- and don't worry, we'll link it in the show notes. Well, even if you don't learn anything, you're guaranteed it'd be a good laugh with us anyway, so yeah, Richard's always good fun. Well, we're just about finished for today, folks. We'd like to thank Mark very much for coming on. Thank you very much, Mark. It's been a great pleasure to have you. You can now take your tiny away, and the smoking jacket, and all those other guys out there with machine guns. It's just Weird. I think he's eating another intern while we've been chatting. Well, I'll have to put up a recruitment poster again. It's getting very hard to recruit them. They keep we have to keep making excuses why they disappear. Our insurance company is getting very stressed out. Very, very stressed out. Don't it's don't 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 worry. Don't don't worry. If you'd like to join us for a day of interning at Brainwaves HQ, you can sign up to our Patreon. Ian, not to the you will Ian, definitely not, not disappear Ian, not in the... a strange interdimensional portal. Or be eaten by a giant war elephant for only one dollar a month. Not to the fine listeners. For only one dollar a month, you can uh, get the extended version of this cast. We won't make you come and intern for us, honestly. Uh, for two dollars a month, you'll also get our Idle Thoughts podcast, which is myself, Jamie, and our guest who has been on the podcast chat about the games we've been playing recently. Uh, for five dollars a month, you can become an executive producer. You'll get a shout out in each cast, and we will send you bits and pieces as of when we make those up. Uh, we've got some merchandise that you can have just now, and we'll be doing some more in the future. You can find links to the Patreon in the show notes. Thank you very, very much for listening. If you liked what you have listened to, the best way to help us out is to share the podcast, spread it around, tell tell people, tell your friends, drop us a review and a rating on iTunes. Uh, You can also follow us on Twitter, at The Giant Brain. On Instagram, Giant Brain UK. On Facebook, we are The Giant Brain. Our website is giantbrain.co.uk. And if you want to drop us an email about anything that crosses your mind in the board game news, send us it at giantbrainuk at gmail.com Thank you very much for listening again. 
Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you for having me. And take care, everyone. Goodbye.